Hey folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Vince. Welcome to Friday Night Beer is a show where two guys who know too much about pop culture and not enough about beer try some beers and explain them in a way that you may understand. But that you probably won't, and it'll only make sense to us. Either way, we hope you'll be entertained. Vince, we're getting this podcast done today. I don't care what happens. Okay, okay. Well, let's let's cool down. Let's throw some Twenty One Pilots on. Okay. Well, we can do that. But again, I don't care if it rains, sleets, or snows, floods. We're getting this done. Would you say, come hell or high water? I would. You melon. <laughs> and I don't know why you wouldn't just say melon. Melon. Ah! <laughs> it's not the worst thing I've screamed today. But yes, we are. <laughs> We are, uh, we're drinking a beer called Hell or High Watermelon. It's from our friends at 21st Amendment Brewery, who, quick shout out to them. Tom, you told me something pretty cool about them. Yeah, so we did, um, we did one of their beers in season two, El Soli, great Mexican lager. They followed our Instagram page. They're one of, uh, one of the first ones that actually reciprocated that. And whoever's running their social team, I just want to say thank you. We see you. We appreciate you. You're always liking and commenting on our posts. And we specifically did this for you because we love you guys so much. So thank you very much. Thank you. And we hope that we do you guys right on a beer that, I got to tell you, I love this beer. I have not heard anyone who doesn't like this beer, quite frankly. You haven't had it. I, no, no, I've had You've it. You've had it, okay. I've had it in some questionable situations. This is a great, like, ah, wow, it's summertime beer for me. This beer literally convinced me to do something I did not want to do. Oh, well, we'll see if we, we get don't, to we that. We will not get into it, but I was like, I'm not doing that. And then they said, I have Hell or High Watermelon. I said, okay, I'll come for a little. Okay, so Hell or High Watermelon. <laughs> 21st Amendment Brewery, we'll get to that in a minute. But this is out in San Francisco in the Bay Area specifically San Leandro, California. Wheat beer, a little less than 5% alcohol. Here's the description from the lovely people at 21st. Like Lady Liberty, we stand for independence and perseverance. In the pursuit of innovative beer, there is no obstacle too great, no journey too long, no fruit too gigantic. This American wheat beer is brewed with real watermelon for a flavor that's surprisingly crisp, Dry and refreshing. Summer in a can. I'll tell you right now, if you read like that with a suit and a tie in front of like 100,000 people, I'll vote for you. Oh, okay. I'll vote for you. (laughs) That's got some real election vibes, that description. Thank you. Well, tell the people uh, a little bit about 21st Amendment. We've covered them before, but Yeah, we're not going to belabor it. But uh, quick reminder, in 2000... It was founded in San Francisco's historic South Park neighborhood by what I can assume is an Italian, Nico Freccia, and an Irishman, Sean O'Sullivan. So something like what we're doing here right? with an Italian and an Irish, except we've got a little bit of both. They've got a brew pub in the heart of the city, not too far from the San Francisco Giants ballpark, which is wonderful from everything I've heard there. It is great. And we don't need to get into all the details, because we've already been over them, but just a quick reminder of what the 21st Amendment is. Tom, do you remember? I sure do. It was the amendment that ended Prohibition. One of my favorites. Bang. Yours and the rest of America's. Why don't we take care of our own favorite pastime here and crack? Let's crack. 
To the end of Prohibition. To the end of Prohibition. <laughs> Cheers, Jeez. man. Oh, oh I'm so excited I got, to... Yeah, I cracked you just, everywhere. You just splatted all over. I did. So, not an overwhelming smell, but it's a watermelon beer. So keep that in mind. Yeah, I don't have that. The It's almost like carbon monoxide smelling. God damn it, that's good. Oh, that is really good. You know, um, Vince, we don't always get too behind the scenes on this show, but I remember one of the early episodes we recorded was of a watermelon beer that we despised so much we didn't even release it. <laughs> Out of respect to um, to the place, I won't say what it was, but you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about because we did the tangerine <laughs> one that was significantly better. Yes, it was. I had had that one before I had this. And I was like, hmm, am I going to get burned again? And this is just a absolutely delightful, refreshing. Like, every time I take a sip, I literally go, ah. Like, it just hits your mouth perfectly. Well, here's the question, right? Watermelon, as a flavor, is very easy to overdo, right? And it's very easy to underdo. We've got all these artificial watermelons, Jolly Rancher watermelon. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's pretty polarizing. I like it. People either love yeah. it or they hate it, right? There's all kind. There's a reason that like watermelon is not one of the top five flavors. So to put something out that has that, especially a beer, a wheat beer that has that nice, perfect mix of watermelon is quite the accomplishment, in my opinion. Hats off to these guys. I, well, so I would say this. I don't think watermelon is everyone's favorite fruit. However, when you are craving a watermelon and there's a nice juicy one in front of you, there, oh, yeah. there's almost a, a not a better tasting fruit, you know? Well, so actually, funny story. My When my dad first met Mora, there was a watermelon, and my dad loves fruit. He prides himself on picking out the best fruit. And the one thing that he apparently continues to struggle with is watermelon. And so... He told Mora about how he'd been had, how he thought the watermelon looked so good, and he just didn't even bother to do his standard checks, <laughs> and he's sorry about the watermelon. Then we left to go home, and he sent a nice long text about, you know, how how nice it was that included all of the things to look out for when you're picking out a watermelon. <laughs> That's a hell of a first impression. To it, make. I mean, it is. And, you know, quite frankly, I haven't used them yet just because watermelon's so big that, you know, I'm not going to eat it. But I do. I love it. And uh, recently he said that he did not learn from his mistake and he got he was captivated by watermelon, didn't do his checks. And he didn't think it was good. I thought the watermelon was still great. So um, do you know where the phrase come hell or high water originated? No, but I imagine... Can I tell you what I imagine it to be? I imagine it to be a Western war, right? You know, like Custer out in the West and they're right. crossing a river and it starts to get like pretty high up. Guys are tired. Things aren't going well. And Custer just like says, we're crossing this river. Come hell or high water. It sounds like something like an old prospector would it say. It sounds so cool. Yeah, it really, it really does. According to the legend, it, it did originate in America. Nice. The first printed reference was in May of 1882 in the Burlington Weekly Hawkeye, a local Iowa newspaper. Wow. And um, So I'm in the middle of America. I'm not too far off. Right. And it was in reference to, you know... Exactly what you said, like just the idea of like, I'm going to be there, 
no matter what, come hell or high water. So is it's like the USPS, right? Rain, sleet, or snow will be there, or I'll deliver, or whatever it is. Oh, I thought you were going to end it with the rhyme of some kind. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I'm not a USPS employee, so. I, I'm embarrassed. they're not good at it. I'm so. embarrassed to say I make a lot of Pony Express jokes still, <laughs> to this day. That's understandable. <laughs> you know? It's on brand if you know me, honestly. But what but, I want yeah. to jump into here are things where it's really easy to overdo. Let's talk pop culture. Yeah. What is really easy to overdo? What do you have to have measured appropriately and you like it, it's tasty, but too much of it, no thank you. This is a pretty subjective question, I it have is. to say. It is. You know, some people might say, like, swearing. Yeah. Some, you know, there's movies that liberally swear. I personally, I, those are some of my favorite movies that say the F word of course. quite a bit. I would say blood and gore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. There's a limit that you have for that. For sure. I was just telling someone recently that I thought the show House of the Dragon had way too many uh, live birthing scenes. How many did it have? Uh, it was about three more than it should have. <laughs> okay, so there were three. <laughs> <laughs> One was more than enough. So, yeah, there's stuff like that. I, I, you know, may, are there actors that like you see mm. them in something and you're like, Wow, they were great for 10 minutes, but like for a whole movie, that would be a lot. Your go- My go-to would be, I think that, and he's not in it for 10 minutes, so he has a higher threshold, but I've never seen Vince Vaughn do something completely by himself outside of Psycho, which he was pretty pretty dang good in, and that was a right. remake. So I'd throw, I initially would think him, but actors, I don't think necessarily actors so much as like a specific type of actor and i think i love a smart british i don't know genius of types in small doses so i guess like the big one would be i could have done with less sherlock in sherlock holmes uh the moriarty character is like enough these like i love i love those in small doses but if that's what the whole movie's gonna be about I enough I get it like yeah because it to me it then becomes almost a statement on the fact that like this is the only era and the only place where this kind of individual could exist which is absurd and yeah. upsetting because I'm an American damn it yeah well I'm thinking of um of an example of something that they were somehow able to translate across mediums uh and I'm thinking of MacGruber Oh. Yeah, so MacGruber started off as a, a parody sketch on SNL where the whole point of the sketch was that they never figured out how to stop the bomb from blowing up in, in time. And then they turned it into a movie, which I think is absolutely hilarious, but like stretched the the premise of that joke like infinitely so. And then, like, 13 years later, they did a show on Peacock that was eight half-hour episodes of MacGruber. So they went from, like, mm. a two-minute sketch on SNL, like, a couple weeks a year, to four hours of TV, like, on a streaming service. And SNL's famous for doing that. Yeah, they're they're famous for, you know, taking what should be short-lived jokes. and But in this case, like... I feel like that's what Hell or High Watermelon has done. They've taken something Dude. that could have 
been a disaster and they've made it great. Have you seen Search Party? Yes, I have. Portia. Portia from Search Party. Yeah. Any more of her, I would have lost it. Yeah. They gave us just the right amount. Like, if there's a spinoff of Search Party and Portia, it's all about Portia, I am out. What about, um, could you have done a whole show about John Ralphio from Parks and Rec? Oh, dude, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, because I feel like they used him, like, the appropriate amount. Exactly. But it's to... Uh, it, it's like what the league did with Rafi and Dirty Randy. Right. It was perfect with Rafi. And then they threw in Dirty Randy. You were like, oh, it's fine as long as they don't do like a whole episode where it's just them. And then it was like three whole episodes where it was just them. Yeah. So the league is a good example of like they just started doing overkilling on all the bits that they were good at. Right. Yeah. Let's try this out of the glass, Vince. Yeah, I think I'm going to like it. Still. I got Shocker. It's- you know, there's almost just not much to say because it's just so damn good, but... It's a nice color. It's a nice light straw yellow. Am there. I crazy for thinking it's like kind of got a, a limey look inside the glass, even though it's uh, definitely a wheat beer? No, I can see that a little bit. I think I think that's a lot of the shadows reflecting through, personally. Yeah, that's, that's possible for sure. Oh, Still man. good. Just a beer that... Tastes good no matter how you have it. Yeah, this is a real winner across the board. Um, Highly enjoying. Have you have you seen the movie Hell or High Water? Yes, and I didn't want to bring it up because I thought it was too on the nose. I've I feel like, it like four times. I feel like we have to discuss it because <sighs> this is one of my favorite westerns ever. Is it a western even? Well, it's like a western like crime drama. Oh, dude, I, like it's like a western robbery movie. It is. It is Exhibit B for me. In why Ben Foster is incredible. And that's another one that maybe he hasn't, like, I don't think he's been the lead character yeah. in a movie. And I don't know if he should be. Yeah, he's always, like, just to the left of the, of the center, you know? Yes, and he's phenomenal. 310 to Yuma is Exhibit A. He's amazing in that. And he's, like, yep. always these borderline psychotic individuals. Yeah, and you know what? This With was intense loyalty. This was like the beginning for me of thinking that Chris Pine could do more than just be a pretty face in a movie. Because mm. when I first was introduced to him, it was in the Star Trek movies where he's just like he's just kind of like a generic like leading man yeah. type handsome guy. And I really didn't know that he had a lot of range or that he was like a legit actor. And then I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, so you can do an understated thing where you're not just running around like saying Spock and, and shit like that. Well, so. let me ask you this. Is this the beer that made you take 21st seriously and say they're a very talented brewery? We can They can probably yeah. do some of the best beer we've had. I think this was one of the first, if not the first, 21st Amendment beers that I remember having. Yeah. And it was definitely the one that I remember having and saying, holy shit, like, this is amazing. Like, what's up with these guys? Exactly. So, you know, when I think about, like, Westerns I've enjoyed, it's not a genre that I'm, like, visiting a lot. Right. But this is one of the first movies I think of in the Western genre. And I've definitely recommended it to a number of people. Dude, to me, it's... It's fantastic. Jeff Bridges is in it, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I can't explain it. I just, and I said this to Maura, too. She was like, well, like, what's it about? And I'm like, I, 
It's about it's about family. It's about you know getting screwed. It's, it's about, about one last job. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's one a, last job movie. You just have to watch it, and it's. So here's a crazy thing that I've just learned right now. This movie was written by Taylor Sheridan, who is the creator of a little show called Yellowstone. Oh, that makes sense. And this came out before that, so like, I don't know. I feel like maybe this was what sparked his idea for that show. I don't watch Yellowstone, but like the rabid popularity of that show right, is, I don't just, either. is just like overwhelming sometimes. And I, I guess like you could say that maybe this type of beer could be more popular if more people like were going to give it a chance. I think it is very popular. Truthfully, I think it's very popular already. It's one that had been talked about before we got there. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe Yellowstone's a little more appropriate of a comparison. I would like to go. I'd like to go outside of Hell or High Water just because of that's so on the nose. I know, and but like, it, I, it, it had to be brought up. It's, yeah. Yes, I'm glad you did because I would talk about it for hours. Right, I really would. I love that movie. I am wondering if I could take it more to like a uh, more to a seasonal aspect. I'm wondering if this isn't. Season one of Ted Lasso. I'd like to hear your stance on it, but I'm interested. Yeah. So season one was one of those where people started talking about it, and you started thinking, "There's just no way this can be good, right?" I don't really. You started looking for reasons not to believe the people who were telling you this, and then you watch it, and you're like, "Dang, I feel great." That's everything that's awesome about like everything that TV can be lighthearted uh they didn't go blue and then season two they started to take on like mental health issues which bravo good for them but like it started to get to be a little too much and now what are we in we're in season three three. we're in season three and there's an f-bomb every other word there's like they're dealing with some pretty heavy issues across the board and it's no longer as light and it, it's missing the mixture of, I guess, like folksiness that made it popular in the first place. I'm annoyed with Ted Lasso now, whereas earlier I was like, this is refreshing. I couldn't agree more with that analysis. Like, it's Ted Lasso has become like an after school special with like lessons every week and lectures about topics that not everybody agrees on. And yeah, the first season was just a breath of fresh air and it was nice. I'm still watching, I'm still enjoying and I'm still I, like I'm applauding yeah. them for the way that they are approaching a lot of these topics. I think they're doing yeah. great work on it. It's just like it's almost ah, I want this to be one season and I keep waiting. I'm to the point where I'm waiting for Ted Lasso to snap. I want him to be yeah. a human fucking being and get angry i'm gonna give you a different example but similar point so the first season of dave the fx show okay i was an instant fan of that and similar to watermelon beers i went into that like being kind of skeptical because like i was familiar with little dicky and i'm like okay well little dicky great like youtube clips great you know funny raps but He's going to make a, a TV show on FX about right. himself. Like, how's that going to go? And the first season, I thought was just wickedly funny and like refreshing. It was, it was honest. It was, you know, 
on brand for him. And I just, I couldn't have loved it more. And then when they got to the second season, it just completely flipped in tone. And the character of Dave became such a narcissist. He was so annoying that you started to hate him. And then, like, they were taking these wild creative swings. But then at the, at the last moment of the last episode, they kind of tied it together with this, like, unifying theme. And I was like, God damn it, I'm, I'm back in. <laughs> so, I, season three has been going on, and I'm happier with how it's going. But it's not the Laugh Fest that season one was. So Why are they talking about... They're advertising it like it's a brand new show. They're not saying anything about season three of it. They're Well, I think part of that is because it's it debuted in March of 2020. And COVID like basically killed a lot of the momentum it had. Although it was the most watched comedy in the history of FX, like its first season. Hmm. But a lot of that was later because people were at home catching up. But I don't think it's a show that's really broken through the mainstream. I think right now it's like just underneath that where it's like if you like Lil Dicky or you like, you know, absurdist, high concept comedies, then you know of it. But it's not like something that, you know, your parents are going to be like bringing up. That's for sure. Yeah. So I think where we're landing here in general is it's a dangerous line that has a lot to work with. And... You can overdo it and still have like a solid product and have respect for people who do that stuff, right? Like I still respect Ted Lasso. I'm still watching. I still like that. You still respect little Dave Dave and and all that. And I think like it's just – it's almost that lightning in a bottle to capture that perfect mixture of it and to be able to just pass that to everybody else. And I think there's certain certain products and – entities out there who've done that i think hell or high water did a great job there's no hell or high water too there's no hell or higher water you know right they they came in they did what they had to do and they're done done and all this is a credit to 21st because they have done such a brilliant job with this and every time i have one of these i'm just as satisfied as the one that came before it yeah it's i couldn't say higher enough things about it no (laughs) Could you say watermelon enough things about it? <laughs> I, I'm, if I'm saying any more, I'll probably go to hell. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, Vince, what score are we giving this yeah, lovely 4. beer? Yeah, 4.5 out of 5. I love this. This is really great. I'm at the point where, like, I'm starting to give points for difficulty, too. And I think that this is a yeah. delicate tightrope that they walked. And I give credit. I think probably, like, a 4.25 with a 0.25 bone boost for... Strength of schedule. I am going to give this a 4.75 out of 5 times. That's how much I think of this. I love this beer. There's not much more to add other than great fucking job, guys. Yeah, really well done. Yeah, and I hope that the people of 21st hear this were huge, huge fans. Yeah. And if you want to also become a huge fan of our show... Uh, Give us a follow on Apple, Spotify, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, And also follow our social media page on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, We would love to, you know, have you on board. Get on board now because the bandwagon's getting full, folks. Yeah, that's right. But until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Vince. This has been Friday Night Beers where we have clear eyes 
full cans. Must booze. We'll see you later.